If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. It is just a book. I remember the one time I was busy preaching and I dropped my Bible accidentally and everyone went like, (gasps) it was almost like I thought Satan was behind me. I was like, what? What is it? No, you dropped your Bible. Oh, I dropped my Bible. Oopsie. (laughs) It's not the book. It's the words that God is speaking to me through the book. But then you also, and this was me for a very, very long time. You get the person on stage who has the power, the power to say what he thinks. And he preaches of hell and this and this and this. For so long in my life, I was in a church and the guy was saying, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. You should do this, 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 and this. And every time I would walk out of church and I think to myself, I'm doing everything that I'm not allowed to do and everything I should do, I'm not doing. The standards are here and I'm here. Everyone is holy and I'm unholy. Everything is sacred and I'm unsacred. I am not allowed to experience this church feeling because I'm not checking all the boxes. So what do I do? Like the good Christian I am, I don't have any relationship with God, but I put on my mask and I walk around. Hello, y'all know, I know, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. How are you doing? Y'all, you know, busy, but you know, God will never give me anything I can't handle. Walk around. When I get in my room, open up the Bible, start in Genesis. Biggest mistake. Thought God was angry with me all the time. Went on my knees physically every night. Got so sore. I think that's the reason why I struggle to stand up now. (laughs) Because every night I was like, God, I'm, I'm just so sorry. Not thank you, not will you please, I'm just so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this. But look, 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 I'm on my knees, my hands are folded, and guess what? My eyes are closed as well. I'm checking all the boxes, eh? Open up the Bible, start from the beginning, this year it's me in this Bible. And if you don't believe me, if we're sitting in this group and you're saying like, I've never experienced that in my life, go outside, (laughs) go talk with people. Whenever I talk to someone who's not in a church and I ask them, how are their relationship going with God? Their response is this, I'm not reading my Bible enough and I'm not praying enough. So therefore, my relationship with God is bad. And then I want to give him a snort clap. Because I'm not asking you how much you're reading your Bible. I'm not asking you how much you're praying. I'm asking you, How's the conversation going between you and God? Do you feel distant or do you feel close? Can you speak with him freely? Or whenever you speak to him, you go like, Oh, holy thy father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm good in acting. Let's just, let's just do that, okay? 
Because I'm not coming to you and speaking to you like, how are you though, Christy? Good to meet you. Hope you had a splendid and wonderful day. Oh, may you be blessed and glorified. And shalt there be no problems, no worries, no stresses for you to come. Oh, Christy. No, I go like, hey, lekker Christy, hoe gaan het? Nee, joch, rof, kom ek, chat a bykie, okay, I'll chat a bykie bol. Helen is giving him problems, so I'm like, okay, I'll chat to Helen. Christian is doing his own thing. Christy is going on man camps with Christian, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. But he's not going, I'm going with my fellow son, and we are spending so, such a good and splendid time together. He's telling me, nee, ons lekker tijd gehad. So why do we, when we pray, we go like this all temple method and we go like, we chat, we chat, and we chat. And whenever we're in the presence of church or in the presence of God, whenever I open up the Bible, I light up my candle, I'm like, oh, holy thy father. And how many times do we say, dad? Or do we just approach God and be like, oh, you know, I'm just so tired. Or we go to God and we're like, yo, that girl is so pretty. She gives me the butterflies every time I see her. Or we go to God and be like, God, I'm in trouble. Yo, yo, kofsis, uh-uh, they're not going to like my mocks, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Please, God, <laughs> help. <laughs> you know why? Because he's a loving father. But we get so stuck in this old way, this old way of thinking. We go into this, church is a sacred place. And you know what? If we think like that, if we act like that, if we live like that, that is what we're going to give the people outside of church. No wonder they think we are judgmental. Because we judge ourselves the hardest. No wonder they think we are hypocritical and in way too into politics. Because that's the things we find hope in. Because that's how we see ourselves. If you live in that old temple way of thinking, and you think that's how God is, and that's how your relationship should work with God, then that's what you are going to bring to the table if you go outside of church. Because that is not the picture of Jesus, guys. So what is the picture of Jesus? How does this look like? So let's dive into the new mandate. And Jesus was bringing this new mandate by responding to this guy's question, saying, who is my neighbor then? Because not everyone is praying, thy holy father. Not everyone is going to church. Not everyone is ticking all the boxes. Not everyone is following the correct religion. So Jesus tells him this story. I love Jesus. He always tells stories. Classic. Imagine sitting around the fire with that guy. Bunch and bunch of stories. So Jesus replied, you guys know the story of the Good Samaritan. If you don't, just bear with me. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the, that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, who is also a, preach, a, a preacher or a priest, if you don't know, 
when he came to help to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, this guy was half Christian, half pagan. They didn't believe in Christianity. They just like got the secondhand food of Christianity. As he journeyed, came to where he was and he saw him. He had compassion. He went to him and bound, bound, bound up his wounds. Sorry, my English is done. Or it's starting up again. It's not done. It's just working. I need new oil. Pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. And he asked them, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Now, before we get to the answer, because you can see the answer, he said the Samaritan, right? And we always read the story, and it's like, yeah, we know. The priest, they were bad. They just ditched the poor man that laid there half dead. And the good Samaritan. We always know the story of the good Samaritan. So we think, like, we should be more like the good Samaritan. And I always read this story, but it never hit me. I never understood this. I always thought... This means I need to give an extra five rand to the guy standing on the street. This means I need to be more loving towards people, even though I feel tired or irritated. This means I should just be a better person for other people to see, so they don't see through my mask what's going on in the back scene, in behind the scenes. This means I just need to be a good guy because Christians are good people. But then I dive a little bit deeper into it. And there is three things we need to notice here. So first, there's the one group, and that's the group of the priests. The Levite and the Jewish priest. And then there's the man laying on the ground, half dead, busy dying. And then you get the Samaritan. Now, the, the Jew that's hurt, that's laying there half dead, We know this now, but I never saw it until now. That is actually a representation of us. Of when Adam ate the fruit and he broke away from God. And in that stage, he also broke. He got a few wounds. He was busy dying. Spiritually, he was busy dying. And this Jew that's busy dying in this story, Jesus is actually saying this is a representation of all the Adams, meaning us included, all those who, who sin and is busy dying spiritually. This is a representation of it. And then you get the priest, you get the Levite and the high priest, and they walked past. You know why they walked past? Because they were busy, they were in a hurry going to the temple, going to the sacred place, going to the holies of holies because they had an agenda and also they didn't want to get involved with him because he is busy dying. He's filthy. There's a whole ritual they have to go to if they touch something that's busy dying. <laughs> and they didn't want to do that because they were so focused on the laws and the religions and what boxes they need to tick 
Otherwise, they're not going to be this holy person anymore. And then you get the Samaritan. And the Samaritan is a representation of Jesus. The Samaritan is the one they never thought they would come. When they had this picture of Jesus coming, they thought it's going to be this holy guy with big golden armor, just smacking down all the Romans, fighting, guns blazing. Here we go. This is war. But then the carpenter came. The guy they didn't expect. The baby that was born in animals, in a farm, in a barn, vulnerable. Someone who got bruised. Someone who cried like a baby. Someone who experienced hunger. Someone who walked around, didn't know where to lie his head because he was busy walking on the streets. Someone that Judas had to point out and saying that is Jesus because he looked like the rest of us. The Samaritan man, the person they didn't expect, came. And this is where it gets beautiful. He picks him up. He has compassion. So in other words, compassion means when he saw the man, his heart broke. He picks him up and put him on his animal, saying, actually, your burden is my burden now. Taking him into an inn, giving him money, saying, you don't have to pay, I'll pay. And fix him up, because I have to go now. But when I come back, I'll pay the full amount that he cost you. That's the gospel, my friends. There, at this moment, Jesus was busy preaching the gospel. Right there. Saying, I will, I will be the one that you are not expecting. I will be the one who's taking your burdens. I will be the one who's making sure you are taken care of. I'll be the one who's paying. And when I come back, I'll make sure every debt is paid for. Jesus is telling him the story of the gospel. So, I have, when I was in this grade 8 camp, I spoke to a teenager. I know him for a long time. His older brother played hockey with me in school. And he was grade 8 when I was matric, so our age gap is very big. <laughs> and he came to me and he said, Franco, I felt like I've had to speak to you for a while now. And I, I can honestly say, when we start a conversation, I realized the only reason why he wants to speak to me because he knows I'm studying theology <laughs> and because I'm this good church person. That's his motivation. And he comes to me, and when he starts speaking, <laughs> my heart broke because he started breaking. He started crying. He said, Franco, I can't. I can't anymore. I'm such a big disappointment. I'm a big disappointment in my church. I'm a big disappointment in my family. And I'm a big disappointment towards God. He's 18 years old. And he's telling me, I'm such a disappointment. With tears running, 
He can't control himself. He barely can take a word out. You can see the pressure of church on his shoulders on the age of 18 years old. He cries. He tells me, I broke the promise my mom made towards God when I was a baby. I'm not living up to the expectation. I'm not making it. I don't know what's going on in the Bible. I don't know how to speak to God. And he asked me, is there something wrong with me? Am I that broken? And then I realized I'm such a comfort zone. I forgot about that. I forgot about that stage in my life where I felt the pressure of church on my shoulders not being a disappointment. And Jesus just shared this wonderful story. And then he ends it off by saying, and Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. After he answered him, the Samaritan in the story is the one that helped, who loved the neighbor. Go and do likewise. We should go and live like this. We should go and love like this. I want to ask the worship team, you are more than welcome to join me. Guys, I don't think we comprehend this new commandment. This new commandment that Jesus said, go and love your neighbor as I have loved you. How does this love look like? This love is unjudgmental. This love is real. This love is a love that changes. This is not the gooey feeling love you get when you're with your wife, when you're with your wife, or with your girlfriend, or with that lady you like, or that boy you like. This is not that type of love. This is the love that changes the picture of Christianity completely. This is the love that changed the foundation on which they built the old temple on. And they changed it completely. And while I was busy worshiping here, before I started, I asked God, what is the one thing, what is the one thing that we need to start doing? And I felt God telling me, we need to take a stand. We need to take a stand against all this bad perspectives of Christianity. Because guys, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm on social media, even on Logan Paul now, <laughs> it's this and this. Christianity is this and this and this. It even got to a point that it's busy butchering the picture of Jesus. And I had this feeling God saying to me, we need to take a stand. So can I ask you guys to stand quickly? We need to take a stand, guys. There's this new commandment Jesus has given us. John 3 verse, John 13 verse 34 to 35. I give, you, I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also loved, love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love for one another. 
first you need to take a stand. And you need to take a stand for yourself. That's the first place you need to start. Take a stand for yourself. Know that you are loved unconditionally. There is no more boxes left to tick. You can't win God's love by your performance. It is done. And I need to remind myself, I'm here with you guys taking a stand. Because in church, me, working in church, I struggle with that. Whenever I walk off the stage, I think to myself, Franco, did you do the job correctly? Did you say all the right words? If not, then I feel like, oh, I failed God completely tonight. I had this massive opportunity. Or you know what? I missed this phone call. Damn it, Franku. I need to take a stand for myself as well. To know that because of my imperfections, because of my flaws, there, that is the place where God is strong. That is the place where I'll experience the grace and the love He has for me. And you know what's the second part? We need to give this love to other people. But that's why the first step is so important because you can't give what you don't have. If you didn't experience this, if you don't know this, and if you didn't experience this on a personal level, then you can't give it. Then church will look like this, like this straw man. It's this new love, this new commandment that God gave us, the story of the Good Samaritan that is going to change the picture of church and Christianity forever. And I felt, God, we should not only take a stand, but we should be as loud and proud as possible about this, about this love that's changing our city, that's changing our university, that's changing our houses, that's changing families, that's changing me. And I saw the picture of Jericho, of Jericho, where, where they took a stand, they walked, arrows aiming towards them, people ready to put boulders towards them so it will fall to their death, walking around the wall, taking a stand and yelling, yeah! And what happened? The walls fell. It came tumbling down. Guys, we need to take a stand. We need to take, we need to make noise for the walls to fall down and they could see the true heart of what it means to be a child of God. You see, the next song we're going to go into is Reckless Love. And that's my story, guys. I tried to be this perfect God and one day in this church where Christian is standing right there, I fell to my knees, tired, and I said, God, I can't do it anymore. I can't keep up with this. And then I heard this word. It's my reckless love. It's not your love. It's not your doing. It's my reckless love that changes. Franco, I'm giving you an opportunity to stand firm. Be strong and bold. And know that my reckless love is the one that's going to change you. And guys, here I am standing today, and it did. And it's still changing me. So I want to make an invite. If you 
with that person who lived in the old temple model. That person who tried to tick all the boxes, but you can't reach God. Maybe you haven't accepted Him as your Father. Maybe you haven't accepted Him as a Savior. Maybe you haven't experienced Him on a personal level. Maybe you thought you need to get your life in order before you can take this next step. Can I ask you, if you are there, while everyone's eyes are open, would you be so bold and brave to raise your hand and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want this new love. And I want to feel it on a personal level. If you are bold enough to do that, will you quickly just raise your hand? We have a hand back there. Can we could just give a round of applause? Let's celebrate, guys. Can I ask a leader to just quickly go back there? We have another hand here. If you want to go there, let's quickly, yeah, let's give a round of applause, guys. This is big. Let's celebrate this. And then for the rest of you, while we are singing this song, can I ask you guys to take a moment and comprehend His reckless love for you. And that it will overwhelm you in such a way that you can't keep it for yourself anymore. That you have to take a stand. You have to make noise to get more people into this building. And to make them part of the church that is in us. To make church attractive again. To make Christianity attractive again by His reckless love. I'm just going to quickly pray for us. Lord Jesus, I come and ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, in this moment. Just show your reckless love. Overwhelm us. Come and kick the door down. Show us that there's no mountain high enough. Nothing compares to your reckless love. I pray this in your heavenly name. Jesus. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.